guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. Hey, is God at work? All the time. Is he ever not at work? Oh, hey, I got good news for you, a couple of things. I want you to be aware of the fact that, uh, and this is uh, free for everyone who would like to have a copy. Uh, Kathy uh, has put all of her blog together from her heart to your heart. And so if you'd like to have a copy of it, they're available out in the uh, foyer. Or if you're here listening and like to have a copy, just check with the church office. We'll make sure that, that you get one. And also, would you take a look at your bulletin for a moment? This is a PR time, I guess. I don't know. Uh, take a look at your bulletin. I want you to be aware of a class that's coming up that's going to be only for two weeks. Next Sunday, then we're going to break uh, for the annual meeting, and then we'll uh, have it again. But I want you to take a look at the middle of your bulletin. It's going to be about obedience and personal purity. How can a Christian improve their thoughts? What are the channels of temptation, and what do they draw us away from? There are three channels of temptation. They draw us away from things, and they destroy things. We're going to take a look at that. What are the patterns of inner motivation? There are three patterns of inner motivation we have. How do we rebuild our mind, our will, and our emotions? How do we transform our thoughts? How do we rebuild our mind, will, and emotions in order to know, to feel, and to choose the Word of God? So I think they can prove to be one of the, the most important lessons. Back, uh, back in 96, 97, uh, I taught this series to a, a group of college students. And uh, so I haven't really looked at it since then, but I think it's really apropos for the day in which we live. And so I would encourage you to be able to maybe check out those two options. How many of you feel stressed? Only a couple of you? No, now, now the hand's starting to go up. How many of you feel like you're at your wit end sometimes? Just, just don't know what else to do. Well, how many of you feel like uh, that old Colligan commercial, take me away? <laughs> Culligan, remember that commercial? Well, I got uh, good news for you. There was once a person, his name was Moses, and he was a basket case. So, so if he could take him out of that basket and make him a leader of a nation. Now, the reason I use that, not to just to bring a joke in, but to get us to the point that Moses brought everybody to the promised land. It's right there in front of him. But then he died. So Joshua had to take him across the Jordan River, set his foot there in Jericho, defeated there, and had a great victory, and then an Ai, and was to move to the north and the south and to occupy the land, but he died. And this is where we're going to pick up and start our new series on Judges. Now, when you hear the term judge, it brings the image of, uh, of courtrooms, of gowns and of gavels and uh, of uh, this little uh, jury room and this little jury stand and all of these things that come into mind and all kinds of legal proceedings and all that phrase, all rise. But none of the judges fit into that concept. Most of them are fighters. Most of them are adventurers. And their unlikely actions usually had no process to the law at all. In fact, they violated a lot of law. 
Now, judgment means arbitration. But who's to arbitrate? It means discerning, but who's to discern? It means deciding, but who's going to decide? Who makes the decisions? Who makes the judgments? How do you know if the decision you're following is a right one? What results from ignoring a right judgment and following a wrong one? Those are the decisions. Those are the things we're going to be looking at as we move through the chapters and judges. Let's bow together. Father, somebody's making the decisions in our life. Someone's making the judgments. How do we know right from wrong? What if we ignore a right judgment and follow a wrong one? Father, this book has so much for our times in which we live, not only as a nation, but as churches and as individuals. So, Lord, as Derek and I begin to to preach through this, I pray it will be your word that comes forth and applications made that will answer those questions that we've raised already today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first and the last verses of Judges places it in its historical setting. Turn to Judges chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Now after the death of Joshua... Then if you go back to the last chapter in the book, chapter 21, and look there at the last verse. And in those days there was no king in Israel. So it was after the time of Joshua, and before the time there was a king in the land. Now, who made the decisions during that period of time? Now before it was Moses and Joshua, they made all the decisions. Later on, it was going to be the king. They were going to make all the decisions. So during this period, every man did what was right in their own eyes. That's the theme of the book. I want you to mark a couple of of, of verses that say that to us. Let's go to uh, Judges chapter 17. Judges, the 17th chapter. And I want you to underline this phrase so you can find it. In verse 6, Judges 17, verse 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right. In his own eyes. There's the theme. And again, we've already seen in chapter 21, uh, the last verse, verse 25, exactly the same statement. Every man did what was right in their own eyes. Does that kind of describe today? I think this book has tremendous lessons for us as we're facing difficult times in our own nation. As we face the individualism that we see, the anti-authoritarianism that we see, Judges are going to speak to it. And the very first verse, if you go to Judges chapter 1, verse 1 of the book, it shows the people of God looking to the authority of God. That's where they started. Look at Judges 1.1. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel, look at this phrase, underline it, asked the Lord. They asked the Lord. They should have stayed there. And so should we. This is the judge who stands behind 
all the other judges. And, and in such times of testing, all the people of God are responsible to find and then follow the, the decisions that God makes. And the same is true for us today. We have to find that decision and we have to follow that decision, that judgment, that discernment on the part of God. And in this case, they can no longer blame Moses. They can't blame Joshua because they're already dead. They can't pass the buck to the king because he doesn't exist. So they themselves have to learn to judge what is right, to judge by the right judgment. They're going to have to think God's thoughts after God himself. And judges, the success or the failure of all of this, the consequences of it is exactly what the book of Judges is all about. Judges show us the helplessness of man trying to find his own way and doing his own thing. And it shows the faithfulness of God in preserving his people. And we can actually summarize it in a verse from Romans chapter 5 verse 20 that says, Where sin increases, grace abounds even more. And even in our day and in our nation where sin is abounding, grace can abound even more if we will discern and follow the will of God. So repeatedly, God's people, they turn away from him. And so he responds by raising up an enemy to judge them. And then they cry out to him for mercy and for help. And then he responds by sending a rescuer. And for the most part, the judges are the rescuers that God sends. So by, we're going to be looking at those rescuers over the next few weeks. We're going to divide them up and be looking at, starting next week, at some of these rescuers, some of these judges. But this morning we need to understand the introduction to this book. We need to understand its theme. We need to understand the spiritual lessons that are here for us. The land itself that they were entering into. We need to understand briefly about the judges. And then the nations that remained and why God allowed them to remain in the land. Let's go look at the theme of the book first of all. The theme of the book. In many ways, Judges is a book of a constant defeat and disgrace. Defeat and disgrace repeated over and over again. It's many times like our Christian life where we have defeat and disgrace. And the key is a verse we've already had underlined in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. There is no absolute. There is no standard. There is no king. There is no leader. So everybody did and followed what they thought was best in their own minds. And the summary of the entire book, and we're going to read it, comes very early in the book. And it summarizes, and it's in the second chapter. We've got 21 chapters to look at, but here's the summary of the whole situation in Judges chapter 2, beginning at verse 10. Follow along. When all that generation had been gathered to the fathers, in other words, they had died, another generation rose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which the Lord had done for Israel. Underline that. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God. See that? The God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed after God. So see, they forsook and followed the wrong things. They followed the gods among the gods of the people who were all around them, and they bowed down. So they, they, they forsook, they followed, and they bowed. Look at that. And they provoked the Lord to anger. See, if we're forsaking the wrong things, following the wrong things, bowing the wrong things, God's anger is going to be raised up. It's been raised against our own nation, folks. 
They forsook the Lord and served Baal, that's the, the male god, and Ashtoreth the female gods. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, so they delivered them to the hands of the plunderers. Do you see that? That's the result of forsaking, following, bowing down on the wrong things. God delivered them to the hands of their plunderers, who despoiled them and sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before the enemy. see that? They could no longer stand before the enemy. And wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity. As the Lord had said, and the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, in spite of all this, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges. But they played the harlot with other gods. And they bowed due to them, and they, they turned quickly from the way in which their fathers had walked. Did you see that? Underline that. Obeying the commandments of the Lord, they did not do. So, so when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. And you'll see this over and over again. They're delivered, there's a time of rest, and as soon as the judge is dead, you see the rest of this would happen. For the Lord was moved by pity and groaning for them. And it came to pass, in verse 19, when the judge was dead, that they reverted and betrayed more corruptly than their fathers. By following other gods and serving them and bow down to them, they did not cease from their own doings, underline that, and from their own stubborn way. So we see here blessing. God's blessing them. Then they disobey. So God chastens them, they repent, and God delivers them. That's the cycle we're going to see over and over again through the book of Judges. Blessing, disobedience, chastening, repentance, and then deliverance. That's the theme of the book. Now let's go look at the spiritual lesson. Spiritual lesson that's in that book. The book of Joshua ends, just before this book, it ends with this phrase, much land yet to be possessed. Yeah, Joshua had gone in, crossed the Jordan River, had a foothold in Jericho, defeated Ai. They were going to go to the north or the south and take all their inheritance. But much was yet to be possessed. Now, I want you to stop and think about that as you step into faith in your own Christian life. The moment you come to faith in Jesus Christ, there's yet much to be possessed. There's much yet to be claimed. And it's easy for us to faint, just like they did. It's easy for us to lose heart and to compromise with the enemy. And Israel entered into the land. They got there, but they failed to possess the total inheritance. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we also can fail to take everything that God has intended for us. We don't possess everything that God has for us. And, and notice the progression that we're, as we're going to go through the book. They First of all, they, they tolerated the enemy. They tolerated sin. Then they took tribute from their enemy. Then they mixed with the enemy. And finally, they surrendered to the enemy. And the same thing can happen to us in our own Christian walk in life. We can tolerate the enemy that's around us and in us. We can take from that enemy. We can settle in and mix with that enemy, kind of become one with him. After a while, we're going to be surrendered to that enemy and to that sin. And it was only through God's deliverance through the judges that these people found victory. And, and it's easy for us to settle down with the enemy. It's easy for us to settle down with sin and just compromise. 
and miss the blessing of total victory, total dedication. Let's go look at the, the land itself. Let's, let's think about the land. Now, the promised land was something that Moses was promised. So they wandered all the way through the wilderness, and he sent ten spies into the promised land. And only two, Joshua and Caleb, remember, thought, okay, yeah, they're giants, they're the cities, but we can take it. The other eight said we could not. And because of that fear, they did not go in and possess the land. They had to wander for another 40 years in the desert until that generation that didn't have faith to possess the land died off. And so now Moses is dead. So Joshua, the one who said, along with Caleb, we can take the land. And look, it's already there. It's already there. All the, the, the cities are there. The lands are there. The crops are there. The animals are there. All we have to do is go in and take it and drive out the enemy. And Joshua did that. He crossed the Jordan River. He comes into, takes Jericho, takes Ai. But now he's dead. And the, name, the land was still filled with many petty kings who rolled over territories. They needed to be driven out. I want to tell you, because they were never driven out, Israel has the problems with the ancestors of those people today. They could have had it all. But they failed to drive the enemy out. We're going to see this over time. So each tribe was to go in, each tribe by faith, and claim the allotted inheritance that was theirs and to drive the enemy out. But they didn't do it. Let's go look at the judges. The judges. There's 13 judges in the book. We're going to look at most of them as we go through the book. But uh, each one was raised up by God to defeat a specific enemy. And that was to result in peace and rest. Every time they drove out an enemy, you can see over and over again, and they had 40 years or 20 years of rest. Now, there's a key here. Rest only comes as we drive out the enemy, as we defeat the enemy. And it didn't come for them because they didn't complete the job. They didn't possess everything that was theirs to possess. And so the enemy kept always being a thorn in their side. And these judges, they, they weren't the national leaders like Joshua and Moses. They were just ordinary men and women, because there's one woman there. Ordinary people, local people, tribesmen. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon these ordinary tribespeople in order to do a thing, and that was to drive the enemy out. Now, we've got to go look at the nations that remained here. All this is by way of introduction, so we can get to looking at the individual here. Look at the nations that remained. God allowed these nations, and we're going to look at them, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Perizzites, the, the Perizzites, that, I like to call them that, the, the Philistines. Now, why did God allow these nations to remain? I'm going to give you the four P's of why God allowed these nations to be left in the land. First, to punish Israel. Look at chapter 2 and verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3 says, 
Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and God shall be a snare to you. And look at verse 20 and 21, same chapter. I also no longer will drive out before them any of their nations, which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test and prove Israel. I want to tell you right now, our nation is in the midst of a test. And the enemy has not been driven out for a reason. And that's first to punish us. To punish the land. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Second, to prove or to test them. We've already seen that in verse 22. Now go to look at chapter 3, verse 4. They were left that he might test Israel. We are being tested just as Israel was being tested Third, to provide Israel with experience in warfare. Chapter 3, verse 2 says that, because many of them came in in the land, they'd never fought a battle before. So it says here that this was only so that the generation of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had never formally known it before. So we're going to allow you to learn to fight these nations because when the kings come along a little later on, we're going to have to continue to fight the enemy from within and without. Then finally, to prevent the land from becoming a wilderness. If they don't take the land, then the cities that are there, the crops that are the field, the fields will be there, will be left to the enemy. There'll be no benefit for them at all. So if Israel wanted to live with the situation of settling in with their enemies, not taking all their full possession, then God was going to give them what they desired. And they could have enjoyed victory. They could have settled for everything God had for them. But they settled instead for compromise. Compromise in the place of victory. Even today, Christians and churches are settling for compromise when we could have absolute, total victory. And over and over again, the people turned to human leaders, even the judges themselves that God had provided for them, rather than turning to God. Do you understand that there would not have need, been any need for any judges if they would have just obeyed God? And the only reason we go through the consequences we do and the judgment of God and the punishment of God and all these things we've been talking about is because we're not obedient to start with. Because if we remain obedient, there's no need for reproof and correction. So the nation's downfall in Judges, I'm getting down towards the end here, is the same as it is and will be for our own nation. Because a judgment is underway. And it begins with, I'm going to give you three A's of the nation's downfall. Israel's downfall, our own if we're not careful. It began with Apathy. That's the first day. Apathy. They were unconcerned. Not my problem. 
They were indifferent. I just want my peace and prosperity to go about my business. I, you know, I don't care. I don't care about the bigger picture. It's just my life. I want to live my life. I can't wait till I get home to glory. Somebody else's problem. They were unconcerned. They were indifferent. As a result, they didn't conquer the land. Now that led to the second A, which is apostasy. They departed from the true worship of God. They began to worship the gods of the land, and there are tons of, of gods of our land today. So God would send a nation to punish them so they would repent, and then God would bring delivery. We are in need of a good repentance <laughs> and a good deliverance. Now, here's the interesting. You know what the final result was? Anarchy. Apathy led to apostasy, which leads to anarchy. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I'm going to break from my message for just a minute. See, when you decide that you're not going to follow a standard, God's word, but as a nation, you're going to decide that you're not going to follow the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, the right to free speech, the right to bear arms, you can go right on down through, then you have no more standard. So what's left is whatever we want it to be, whoever has the power. And these nations, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Philistines, they had the power. And they needed to be driven out. I'm going to say something. I'm going to repeat it twice. And it's in your notes. Lawlessness. So that should come up. Lawlessness always begins with departing from God and his word. Look at the violence and lawlessness last summer in the streets of our cities. See, I'm trying to apply that. This isn't just going on with Israel. It's going on with us. Look at the violence that goes on in our cities. The lawlessness. You don't have to be legal to live here. You can, don't have to be deported here anymore. You don't have to. You know, you can go on down the line. Not following the law. Defunding the police. You, guys, these are things that are important for us to understand because why does lawlessness come about? Because we depart from God and we depart from his word. No political agenda, no political party is going to do this thing. You've got to return to God and you've got to return to his word. And that's what we're going to find out as we go through the book of Judges. So who's making the decisions? How do you know when a decision is right? What resulted from ignoring a right decision and following a wrong decision? We all have experienced that at one time or another. See, we have to look to God to deliver us. And we're going to look at how the people had to look. And God provided this deliverer for them. We must not continue to do what seems to be right in our own eyes. We cannot blame others. We can't pass the buck on. To somebody else. We have to learn to judge with the right judgment. We have to think God's thoughts after him. We have to let God be the arbitrator. 
Let God be the judge. Let Him make the, discerner, the discernment. Let Him make the decisions. Now, how do we go about doing that? First of all, we've got to realize that there's much yet to be possessed. Let me ask you a simple question. What doesn't God have in your life right now? What needs to be possessed? What needs to be conquered in your life right now? That you're not going to find rest until that thing is dealt with and the enemy is driven out? What is it? We can't compromise with the enemy. We can't settle down and live with the enemy. We've got to allow God to drive him out. We have to deal with our own apathy, our own apostasy, our own anarchy in our individual life, in our families, in our churches, in our nation. So that simply means we've got to return to God and His Word. It always comes to that. Return to God. Return to His Word. Let's pray. Father, as we gather around our communion table, this table is here because you've provided a way and the truth and the life for us. That, Father, that we would find ourselves as we start to get into this book book, and we begin to look at these judges That we would not only understand what was going on in Israel, but we would understand what's going on in our life and in our churches and in our nation. And that we would be able to apply it. We say, I can't make a difference. One judge made a difference. One person. And they were nobodies. They were just ordinary people. Some of them hiding out as farmers. But one can make a difference. So, Lord, I pray that as we begin to move into this book, that we would allow you to make the decisions. That we would know, according to your word, what was right and what was wrong. And what to ignore the bad decision and to follow the right one. And that, Father, we won't blame somebody else or pass the book. We'll, we'll find you and your way. So teach us. Continue to be with us in our worship as we sit around this table to contemplate all that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen.